Hello there, and thanks for joining me in today's podcast. Homelessness. That's my topic today, homelessness. You know, growing up, I always heard the little phrase, <clears throat> it was biblically based, the poor will always be with you. Well, we can expand that a little bit by referring to the homeless. The homeless will always be with us. For some of us, we just kind of resign ourselves to the fact that there are poor and there will always be poor. They're homeless and they'll always be homeless. So what's the big deal? If you do something for one, there'll be another one. And then there'll be another one. And it's an endless problem and it's kind of self-defeating and discouraging. So most people overlook the possibility of a solution. But in 1992, uh, a man in New York, psychologist, by the name of Dr. Symbrius, came up with the idea that to deal with the homeless problem, you really need to set up a housing system. Set up houses, apartments, condos, various kind of housing arrangements, and then offer those that benefited from the housing the opportunity to have services. Not require it, not demand it, not make it a contingency, but offered as an opportunity, as an option. So what he did was to offer mental health services, addiction services, medical services, educational services, and so on. And it was all on a voluntary basis. And what he found is, to his surprise, that the homeless people not only stayed in the homes, in these apartments, but also availed themselves of the services provided. Not all did. But many of them availed themselves of those services and benefited from the services that were provided. So it became a model of dealing with the homelessness across the country. And um, what he found in his New York study was that 85% of the people, of the homeless people, that took up this uh, project and lived in these apartments and lived in these homes, 85% 85% of them were still there five years later, showing some stability. Now, on one hand, you can say, well, maybe that's a good sign. 85% showed stability and had long-term housing. On the other hand, you can look at it as 85% became dependent upon the system of the city that the city set up and didn't move out into independent living or independent employment. And many people would say, well, housing is only a temporary thing and should lead to employment, lead to independence, lead to the homeless person going back to their own home. But Dr. Simbrus said, well, 85% showed stability. They stayed and were availing themselves of the services and were beginning to be productive individuals, but still living in the home. But his model, Pathways, uh, to housing, Pathways to Housing, it was called, that was the model, has been now replicated in 300 cities across the country, Europe, Australia, and various other countries of the world. 300 of these kind of projects have been now replicated across the country. Many cities are trying it. Salt Lake City, 2,000 homeless are being provided care with this model 
of setting up an apartment, setting up living arrangements, and then making it an optional, but making it available, the various kind of services. And they're also finding that the homeless will then avail themselves of the services once they have the housing established. Santa Clara County over in the coast of California. 840 people currently are under the care of the city in this kind of housing kind of arrangement. And they're looking for ways now to expand the program to include the 6,000 homeless people that uh, utilize the streets and the street corners of that particular city. So 40 countries across the country in Canada are now uh, showing interest in this project and developing the project on their own and seeing if it might be the answer to their problem. Now, obviously, there's a cost. Cities incur a tremendous cost for housing, you know, 800 people, 2,000 people, or whatever it might be, in a housing project. But you have to look at it in terms of the cost that the city incurs by doing nothing. How much does a city incur to clean up after the homeless, to police the homeless, and to provide care for the homeless, medical care and so on, when they go to hospitals and they go to various pro programs uh, on their own. So there's a cost in one way or the other. The, the, the interesting question is, what's the relative cost? What's the net cost of setting up a program and making it more structured and making it more organized and making it more uh, professionally based? so that the care provided and the needs that are met are done so in a professional, competent manner. So that's Pathways to Housing, um, now being implemented across the country and being recognized as being one of the major positive ways a city can deal with homelessness. And uh, if you're a city, if you are in some kind of a place of influence in a city, you might want to have them take a look at this particular program, Pathways to Housing. You can find more out about them by www.pathwayshousingfirst.org. www.pathways, that's with an S, pathwayshousingfirst.org. And if you go to that website, you'll read more about the program and how it's set up and how it's organized and the relative benefits of this particular program, you know, for a city. So that may, that's not the total answer, but it is a start or it's a way that a city can get their hands on the issue of homelessness and kind of create some kind of a resolution to this problem within their own city rather than just chasing the people down the street a little bit further. Now, in reading this particular program and uh, thinking about it and understanding that it has some real benefits, I was caused to reflect on my visit to Rwanda, well, about 15 years ago now, when um, Dr. Hadiyama had the same kind of an idea to deal with the women that were in the streets and on the corners and sleeping in the fields and having no homes and no place for themselves or for their children after the Rwanda genocide uh, took place. And so what he did was to 
get some money together from various private sources, churches, individuals, and set up a village. Set up about 10 to 15 little homes with a community center. And the women were placed in these little homes once if they met certain criteria. And then they were offered opportunities for employment training, opportunities for health uh, management, opportunities for increased education, and so on. And when I was there about 15 years ago, he was housing and caring for about 35 to 40 women that otherwise would have been on the streets and subject to prostitution. So the same concept uh, we have in Rwanda with Dr. Hadiyama. And uh, his program was a religious program, which means it was a spiritual program, which means the women participated in Bible studies, they participated in church worship services and so on, in addition for work training and, edu and education and health care services and so on. But you know, when I think even further, this is exactly the model that most rescue missions in our cities follow as well. They provide housing, and then they provide a meal, and then they provide an opportunity for uh, those that come and want it to participate in a work training program of, of some form, or an educational program, and so on. And they do so within the spiritual context that they set up a worship service and those that come participate in the worship service as well. In some cases it's voluntary, in other cases it's, obliga it's an obligation. You must participate in worship to have a place to sleep and might have a, a food to eat. In other words, you have to participate in the religious training of the program to benefit from the services of the program. So you see... There are different models, there are different opportunities, there are different ways of approaching it. But cities have the opportunity to uh, connect with some of the private companies and some of the private enterprises and some of the private nonprofit organizations that are doing this for the homeless. And um, looking at it from the context of not just providing a service, because homeless just don't want to go to a mental health service. They don't want to just go to an alcoholic meeting of some kind, like an AA meeting. They want housing, but they don't want the requirement of having services provided, that they must participate, that they reject. I just came back from a city in Canada, and um, the city was trying to provide an opportunity for people to have housing, same idea, but they required them to participate in a program, and the homeless people rejected that. You see, it's an anti-authoritarianism that's operating here. Homeless often do not wish to relate to, to authoritarian individuals or to come under the uh, control of somebody who is authoritarian. They like options. They like choice. They like opportunity, but it's their choice to participate. So in this particular city in Canada, it did not, it did not work because they required services and the homeless people rejected it and went off into a field and set up their tents and uh, we're living in tents in a field. They'd much rather do that. So the city had an opportunity, but because they required certain services, it failed. So the opportunity here is that housing first, with options of services provided, but on a voluntary basis. 
and with an encouragement basis. And what they're finding is that most people do participate in services. Most of them did. 80% participated in services. So it's a model. We see it now in Rwanda. Same model being done there. We see it now in the rescue missions. They've been doing it for years. They've been doing it since the turn of the century. This goes back to William Booth and the Salvation Army. Setting up these little housing arrangements. And the YMCA did that, you know, for a number of years. I don't do any more, but they did that for a number of years. Set up these housing for the homeless. And then offered services. You see, that's a model that's worked. It's a model that's expensive, but it's a model that has worked over the years. The religious community has made great use of this particular model. And uh, we're now seeing it at the city level, the government level, incorporating the same idea of offering housing first with the option of services and the availability of services and the encouragement to participate in services. And when you do that, we get seem to get a more positive response by the homeless people and starting to reduce the homelessness on the streets, at least. And then ultimately the goal is to help the homeless become independent and successful once again. So, if you're in a position of leadership in your church, you're in a position of leadership in your city, you're in a position of leadership in your county, your state, uh, wherever, uh, this model is a worthy model to look at in terms of how you can help solve this problem. Giving another sandwich, giving another free meal is probably a minimal benefit other than for the two or to four hours that a person has to uh, go with a full stomach. But if you really want to change lives, it's a deeper investment. And you think of all the churches that have had homes and have had apartments available for missionaries and visiting people and, and for staff and so on. You wonder how many have had homeless uh, ideas in mind and setting up a home for the homeless. But uh, a church can do that. And a corporation can do that. A company can do that. Uh, lots of people can do that. Foundations can do that. Uh, the homeless people are available. And they're willing, you know, to take a look. But they do want to see the opportunity to participate in a program uh, on, an, on a voluntary basis once they have established themselves in a home situation. So, if you want to read more about it, www.pathwayshousingfirst.org. Okay. Well, nice to have you with me. And certainly want to bring to your attention the Fresno Rescue Mission here in Fresno, and you have one in your city, wherever you are, go to your Fresno, go to your rescue mission and see what services they have and support them. Send them a few bucks. If they're doing a program like this, be part of it by supporting them. Volunteer, but connect with the rescue mission of your city. And certainly here in Fresno, the Fresno Rescue Mission. Don Eskis is the executive there, and give them a call and see if, in some way that you can connect and you can be of help, you know, to them. Okay? Bye for now.